Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. Let me try that again now that we've got the volume here. The peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you to worship. We welcome you to First Baptist Church. Grateful to see those of you who are here in person and those who are joining us on Zoom and then other folks who are joining us on YouTube Live. Please remember that you are welcome to worship with us in any of those ways or I suppose you could bring your device with you and do all that at the same time, uh, just to see how tech-savvy you are. I do want to remind you that while this um, virus is surging in our community, we're going to limit our congregational singing, and we're going to do that again this week. So our choir will be the ones who are actually giving voice to the hymns, But if you would please take your hymnal and open it up and really follow that text as we're singing through it and and, uh, be aware of the words of that text. As Jim mentioned last week and is my habit, there are many, many tunes that I know really well and really love and sometimes really am not all that clear about the text, especially if I start singing it without something in front of me. I remember when Jody and I were getting married and we were singing, Be Thou, Be Thou My Vision. That was the song at our wedding. And we're standing there looking at each other singing. And I knew the first verse. And then I realized, boy, I know none of the rest of this. And so I just kind of hummed along the rest of the way. Um, so follow along uh, in, your, in your text. I want to extend a special welcome this morning to our guest preacher, Chaplain Carol Dalton. Carol... Uh, Carol serves at the Swannanoa Women's Correctional Facility and has been there for quite a time as their chaplain. And she and Jody were classmates at Gardner-Webb Divinity School. So they've known each other for a long time, and I've known Carol for quite a while myself, and, and we're really grateful to have you with us, Carol. I haven't, I haven't got to hear many sermons myself during this time, and uh, I look forward to hearing you preach later in our worship. So thank you for being with us. So let us now... Take a deep breath. Let us ready ourselves to worship the God who has created us and the one who continues to sustain us and redeem us. Let us worship together.
Who among you is seeking the wisdom of God? Who among you is seeking God's bright and holy truth? Who among you is seeking a spirit-filled life? God grants wisdom generously to all who ask. Let us worship in wisdom and truth.
Let us pray. Almighty God, we see the destruction in the world around us and hear the cries of our fellow humans and creatures. We call to you, guide us, teach us, inspire us, forgive us. And you say, I have been your guide and teacher. The whole cosmos bears witness to my witness and creation itself is the revelation of my love. Turn to the plants and animals, the sea and the sky, they will show you my wisdom. And so we say, open our hearts and minds to all the wisdom of creation as we gather in worship today. Amen.
Our responsive reading today is Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners thread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. They are like trees planted by the streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. scripture reading from Mark 9, 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another, who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all, and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whosoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The word of the Lord. Thank you. 
James 3, 13 through 4, 8. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your own pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The word of the Lord. Thank you for the warm welcome. Um, it's always good to catch up with Jody. Can't believe it's been 20 years since we were at Gardner Webb. Lots happened in those years. Would you pray with me? Creator God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I know very little about ballroom dancing. I don't even watch Dancing with the Stars. I know. Um, I just don't. I've read about dancing. Um, that doesn't make me an expert. The last time I think I attempted to dance was at a fundraiser for our nonprofit. And we had it at the Asheville Ballroom. We hired a couple of their trained dancers to kind of liven things up and show us some stuff. And it was fascinating to watch them, but watching somebody dance doesn't mean you can stand up and do it, especially if you have no rhythm and two left feet. 
that mostly leads to a lot of laughter and some bruises. What I think I have learned from reading books and watching those dancers and trying to participate is that I'm pretty sure it's safe to say somebody needs to lead, somebody needs to follow, and it really helps to be close. I think if James had written about dancing in a positive way at least, I would have been a better dancer because the Baptist church of my childhood would have promoted it just like they did Faith Without Works is Dead and Tame Your Tongue. What James did write about, as you've been hearing over these past several weeks, is wisdom. And especially in today's passage, just this short passage is so packed full. We could stay here all day to unpack it, but I don't want to, and so we're not going to. But here's how it's boiled down. He writes of wisdom that either does or does not come from above. For me, the key verse is 3.16, James 3.16. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Frederick Buechner says, envy is the consuming desire to have everybody else be as unsuccessful as you are. I think there's some truth in that, but we're going to save that rabbit hole for another time and get back to James. I could stand here and give you a thousand examples of how envy and selfish ambition lead to disorder and wickedness, but it probably would be counterproductive and a little bit divisive. So I'm just going to stand here for a minute, long enough for everybody to get really uncomfortable, and we're just going to think to ourselves about where we've seen this played out recently. Let me say it again. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Go. I tried this at home and I tried it for a minute and I thought that's crazy. It's very uncomfortable to sit in silence, especially in a room full of people. We don't like silence. And we're also tired of the shenanigans. And we'd rather not think about them. It's a venomous world out there. What's the antidote to that poison? Verse 17 says, but wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. So utopia or the gospel. We seem to have this idea that this is only about yielding by sitting down and shutting our mouths. You've seen it. Somebody posts something on social media or writes an article or an op-ed piece or preaches a powerful sermon and someone almost always comments, why can't we all just get along? Or blessed are the peacemakers. Or from right here in verse 18, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. I'm going to tell you something. I tell women in prison frequently that I can make a case for just about anything by pulling a verse out of context. For example, the 
the Old Testament lesson for today, I could quote Jeremiah. And he, and he says, but to you, O Lord of hosts, who judge righteously, who try the heart and the mind, let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Jeremiah's angry. He's angry because God has revealed to him that folks are plotting to put him to death. So he laments, come on, God, let me see you slay every one of them. I can twist that. And I can say, Jeremiah did it. So it must be fine to pray that my enemies will be slain. I'll pull it out of context. However, if I'm going to claim to be a Christian, then I need to use the gospel of Jesus Christ as the litmus test for my interpretation of Scripture and for the way I live. Did Jesus just waltz through life and let people do and say whatever they wanted to without challenging their motives? Absolutely not. But he also didn't jump up and down and demean them and call them names and talk behind their backs and shame them publicly or practice gaslighting. In the gospel text for today, Jesus heard the disciples talking on the road. He knew they were arguing. Maybe James was picturing that very scene when he wrote James 4, verse 2. You want something and you do not have it. You covet something and you cannot obtain it. So you engage in disputes and conflicts, arguing over who's the greatest. Jesus confronted the disciples with kindness. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. For me, that means frequent ego checks. And then he uses a children's sermon. He took a little child into his arms. Picture that for a minute. And now I'm going to challenge you because it may be that you have the same picture in your mind that I have in mind when I think about Jesus taking that child. I think my mind immediately goes back to my my little preschool Bible, it zipped, you know, it zipped up. And it had that picture of Jesus and the little children on the front of it. Sweet picture. Now, let's challenge ourselves to not think of Jesus with the flowing hair and white skin, but picture Jesus as this Jewish man, this Middle Eastern man, taking this little dark-skinned child into his arms. This Jesus, he took on the social issues of the day like the one that women and children were mere chattel. We'd like to think that he was just going along submitting to the authorities of the day and somehow we twist those words to fit our beliefs. But here's what I really think. I think Jesus was confronting the powers that be. He was going against the grain of the system. He was calling out the injustices and the abuse of power and control. Because he refused to go along to get along, they killed him. They didn't get the final word, but they killed him. On this walk to Jerusalem, he's been warning his followers that it's going to happen. I think it was just last week's gospel text where Peter had the audacity to pull Jesus, the Son of Man, to the side and rebuke him for prophesying his death. Can you imagine? Jesus did not back down. 
Jesus continued to buck the empire, and he said, take up your cross and follow me. And I'm sorry, but that's not the cross of my back hurts. So here we are in a world that I don't even recognize most days. A world where families and churches and communities and school systems and hospitals and Lord have mercy, the political system are divided. I'm slowly making my way through the book, Healing Our Divides. In it, Mark Feldmer writes, to do politics in church is to be concerned about the affairs of the communities in which we live. To do politics in church is to ask what does the gospel of Jesus Christ say about how I should live in my community and what my responsibility should be to the people who are members of that community? Jesus answered the question, and he boiled it down in John 15 to a simple sentence, love one another. I think these days love looks like Jesus bucking the empire. Love looks like welcoming the stranger or the Afghan refugee. Love looks like protecting vulnerable people who could die of a virus we don't even know we're carrying. Love looks like showing up at the school board meeting. And those same things can look and feel an awful lot like engaging in disputes and conflicts. A meme crossed my social media screen last week. It said, courage is knowing it might hurt and doing it anyway. Stupidity is the same. And that's why life's hard. It's about right. But I think we also need to ask, is it wise? I've pretty much decided that about all of life's issues are control issues. Since about 85% of the women incarcerated in North Carolina have substance abuse issues, I've spent some time studying the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I often say that if you're walking around on planet Earth, you've got something to recover from. In the recovery model, we talk about those first three steps in this way. I'm not in control. I know who is. I think I'm going to let God have control. And then I stumble. I miss a beat. I step on somebody's toes. I relapse into my old way of ego feeding and being. And then I go back to step one. I'm not in control. Step two, I know who he is. Step three, I think I'll let God be in control. It's a waltz. Step one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. It still doesn't mean sitting idly by, ignoring the, injustice in the uh, injustices in the world, and pretending that the United States doesn't send 25% of our population to prison, pretending all's right when it's not, pretending it's not our problem, that people are perpetuating lies at the peril of 665,000 and counting people pretending that gerrymandering doesn't matter, pretending natural disasters are not worse, pretending that simply having lighter skin doesn't give us an advantage in this world, and the list goes on and on and on. 
We may not have control, but we know who does. And that one has called us to take up our cross and follow him. Maybe to buck the empire. But we also probably have some logs in our eyes that need tending first. There's a whole list of them in this passage in James. And again, I'm not going to go through all of them. It's too much. Go home and read it. In fact, James is pointing out our own personal character defects and we need to do some self-evaluating and at the same time, we need to pay attention to his final words. For James, the key is draw near to God. My father died two years ago. He was pretty, pretty much with it until near the end. And he could pick up on my tone of voice like no one else. We could be talking on the phone, and he could tell if I was fully present or if I was multitasking. And he would say, put that computer down. And I would know I was busted. Maybe we've been multitasking with God for way too long. Maybe it's time to lay some stuff aside and be still and fully present with the creator of the universe. When I do that, I have to check my ego at the door. If you're like me, you might follow Richard Rohr's daily devotions, and so you may have read this recently. He quoted a story that Brian McLaren tells about a spiritual experience. McLaren writes about being at a youth retreat with some of his Southern Baptist friends when he was young. He writes this. I walked several paces away from my friends and lay back in the grass, fingers interlocked behind my head, looking up, feeling strangely quiet and at peace, and something began to happen. I had this feeling of being seen, known, named, loved by someone bigger than the sky that expanded above me. Young science geek that I was, I pictured myself lying on a little hill, on a little continent, on a little planet, in a little solar system, on the rim of a modest galaxy in a sea of billions of galaxies, and I felt that the great big creator of the whole shebang was somehow noticing little tiny me. It was as if the whole sky were an eye and all space were a heart and I was being targeted as a focal point for attention and love. And the oddest thing happened as the realization sank in. I began to laugh. Profound laughter surged from within me. It wasn't a reactive laughter, the kind that erupts when you hear a good joke or see somebody do something ridiculous. It was more like an overflowing laughter, as if all that space I had been feeling opening up inside of me was gradually filling up with pure happiness. And once it reached the rim, it spilled over into incandescent joy. God loves me. Me. God. At this moment, I can feel it. I think that's a beautiful picture of someone drawing near to God and God drawing near to that someone. It's like a beautiful dance. 
We might be dancing along with all these distractions and envious plots and anger issues and fear, so much fear. But all the time, God's quietly waiting for us to notice, asking us for a dance, wanting to lead us in the most beautiful experience of trust, pointing out the error of our ways, forgiving us, allowing us to be healed and whole one more time. Who's your partner as you're dancing through life? Are you dancing through life in the arms of the one who created us? May it be so. Amen.
Carol, thank you for that image of multitasking. Or had you been talking to my wife? Because it feels like that's... Uh... But yet that is such a helpful image, I think, for, for understanding our relationship or lack of relationship with the one who we are really seeking to know. So let's be still during this time of prayer and let's stop the multitasking for a few moments and the only task is to simply be quiet and to listen to that voice that we long to hear. Let us be still now together. Lord, we confess that we like noise and we like distractions. We like to be busy. Oh, sometimes we say we don't like those things, but we know that deep down we do. Because the truth is, O oh Lord, we are often uncomfortable with ourselves and with you. And so we give you thanks for moments like these when we can come together as your people and we can set aside some of those tasks and some of those distractions and we can open ourselves you speak clearly to us O Lord so that we might be able to remove some of those logs from our eyes so that we might see a bit more clearly so that we might see the, mo the world more like you see the world Forgive us, O oh Lord, for dancing with others. Forgive us for leaving you out. Forgive us for going our own way and calling it yours. Forgive us for injuring those created in your image. Forgive us, O oh Lord, and renew us and create new hearts. Create new hearts, O oh Lord, so that we might truly be your disciples in this world. So that we might embody and reflect your mercy and your grace. So that we might have true peace. 
a world reconciled to you, to each other, to ourselves. We pray for reconciliation and we pray for healing and we pray for hope. And we pray especially for the ones that we name aloud. And I invite you in the sanctuary now to offer those names aloud, those who need God's healing and God's hope. And those of you joining at home, if you want to unmute yourself and offer names of those who need healing and hope. David Bauman. Oh Lord, we entrust them to your care because you are good and you are faithful. Now let us all join our voices, those of you at home, if you would please unmute yourself and we will join together and pray in the way that Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, thine is the kingdom forever. Glory, the glory forever. forever. Amen. Our hymn of response is hymn 534, so if you would follow along with that hymn, and you can hum that silently, you can just simply read the words while the choir will sing. I'm going to stand during that time, and I'll stand here like I normally do, uh, and you're welcome to either stand or to sit, whatever is more comfortable and worshipful for you.
It has been good to worship with you this morning. Carol, thank you so much for being here, for preaching, for offering a challenging and an encouraging word. I am grateful for that. And I'm also grateful for the work that you do with those incarcerated women in Swannanoa, work that I know you've been doing a long time now, for almost 15 years, I think. So thank you for that and blessings on your ministry. And we, we really need to have you come back sometime and really share about that particular work with us uh, and how we might <laughs> they they're good for about 55 minutes and then they're gone i don't know what it is now it has been good to worship with you whether you are here in person or for those of you joining us at home or wherever you are we we are grateful that we can be together in these ways let us stand now for the benediction I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this way, out this entrance, uh, or exit, and Jim will be at that one. I'm going to ask Carol to come and stand with me outside here so that you can come by and, and offer a word of, of affirmation and thanks. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother. Children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit, you are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen.